Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Luke chapter 3, and message titled, 23 and Jesus. Luke chapter 3, verse 31 and 32, it says, The son of Mela, the son of Menan, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed. And that's where those two genealogies coincide. Again, Matthew travels one direction from Abraham down to Jesus. And of course, Luke travels from Jesus all the way to Adam. So they're, they're op- they go the opposite direction. But they coincide at that part. And they diverge at Solomon and Nathan, both sons of David. But they follow a different line at that point. Now, after they're brought to Babylon, oh, one thing I do want to say before I get into that, just in case you missed the implications of what I was trying to say earlier. The reason it says Joseph, the son of Heli, is because at their betrothal, he would have become his son because he was fulfilling the duty of the firstborn for Mary. And that's why it says Joseph, the son of Heli, rather than Mary. And so it doesn't need to say Mary. And of course, in Matthew, several women are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. In Luke, none are mentioned. And, And that's because he's writing it to a Roman official and they wouldn't want to hear about any women, right? And that's just, that's just the way that it was. But anyway, in Matthew chapter one, verse 12, it says, just as just the middle of the genealogy, it says, after they were brought to Babylon, and of course, you remember the, the kingdom of Judah was co- conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. And when they were conquered to, by Nebuchadnezzar, it says, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. So the king Jeconiah, who was the last of the kings in David's line, was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He was brought to Babylon, and he lived the rest of his days in Babylon. He had a son named Shealtiel, his son Shealtiel's son was Zerubbabel. Now you remember some of those names. Jeconiah, you know, after that, they had vassal kings over Judah, which were like Jehoiakim and other guys, but they weren't from that royal line. Jeconiah was the last of the royal line. He comes to Babylon, and then he has his grandson Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel would be the one who would go back with Ezra to rebuild the temple, if you remember the history. He'd go back with him, but he was not a king. He was just a governor, right? And he, so he governed the area, and then later Nehemiah would take over and become the governor. But this Jeconiah, or we could call him Kaniah, because he was also called Kaniah, Jeconiah or Kaniah, was the last king of Judah on David's line. But there's a problem. In Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 27 through 30, it says, but to the land which they desire to return. So this is written during the time of Jeconiah. They desired to return to what land? Israel, right? They were carried away to Babylon. They shall not return. Is this man Kaniah, and so that's Jeconiah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure, 
Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into a land which they do not know? Babylon, right? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. Oops. So what God did, and and no doubt Satan and all of his cohorts were celebrating with joy because what God did was he placed a blood curse on the line of David that was heir to the throne of David. That's a problem. Because how is the Messiah going to rule on the throne of David if he has no right to it because of the blood curse? Well, because he was adopted. And that's how he can. He was legally adopted, so he wasn't of the bloodline, but he still was Joseph's son based on the Leverite laws and the kinsman-redeemer laws, and so he could be his son, and he could inherit the blessing without being part of that bloodline. Kind of amazing the way that all these things work out. In other words, Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. St. Augustine came to a very interesting conclusion concerning Jesus' birthright and his virgin birth. And that was the idea that sin passed not through the woman, but actually through the man. And maybe nobody had ever thought about that before that, but Augustine kind of came up with this idea that the sin is not coming from the woman, but actually from the seed of the man, right? And so when your husband say, you know, your son did this, you say, no, 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 your son. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't get his sin from me, he got it from you, right? And, and why do we know that? Well, because we know that Adam was the one who sinned. Even though Eve ate of the fruit first, Adam was the one who sinned. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So Jesus, being the son of Mary, biologically, would not receive the curse of sin in his bloodline, even though Mary was a sinner. But it was the seed of the woman. The seed of the man always brings sin, but the seed of the woman, which is prophesied in in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, was a virgin-born son, the son of God. And that's that's interesting. Another interesting thing is that Matthew seems only to be interested in Jesus' genealogy from Abraham through David. Of course, we have the Abrahamic covenant, And we have the Davidic covenant. Those two covenants are important to Matthew because that establishes Jesus as the rightful king over Israel. But Luke takes us all the way back to Adam, the original man. What was before Adam? God. Yeah, God was the only one before Adam. And and this has important implications that we'll talk about in a minute. But let's talk about the early genealogy of Jesus. The part of the genealogy that every single one of us shares together. Now, if you can think of what genealogy or what family line we all share together, what would that be? Of course, we're all related to who? Adam, right? And who else? Noah, right. Somebody got it. Noah. We're all related to Adam, and we're all related to Noah, and it's at Noah that every line diverges. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? And in Genesis chapter 10, you see the the table of nations, which, interestingly enough, if anybody's ever studied anthropology, this is something that they study. Because you can map every person in the world and where they came from, from Genesis chapter 10, and they still use it. Maybe they don't say it's from the Bible, but you can map every person in the world and where they went from Genesis chapter 10. From the sons of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. 
And so we share that genealogy from Noah to Adam with every single person in the world. And I think God has something to say to us about that. We all have this common ancestry. We all start with that same place of sin and move forward to the flood. And and after that, everything kind of changed. But Luke verse 36 repeats what we find also in Genesis chapter 5. Now, how many of you guys, when you started reading your Bible, you started in Genesis because that's the beginning of the book? Okay. And how many of you, when you got to Genesis chapter 5, you saw, oh, this is just a bunch of names, so I skipped it? (laughs) Yeah, so that's pretty common. But in Genesis chapter 5, we see some interesting things. Luke records it for us in Luke chapter 3, verse 36 through 38. So go ahead and turn there with me, and we're going to skip the first part of verse 36. It says, the son of Shem, and if you look there in the middle of verse 36, the Shem, of course, is the father, you know, out of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Shem is the father of the Semitic people. And so if you're familiar with that anti-Semites, you know, the, the Shem is where we get the word Semite. So the son of Shem, the son of Noah. And what's interesting, I'm just going to kind of give you the root meaning of these names as we go through them. Noah, his, his name means rest or peace. The son of Lamech, his name means despairing. You kind of get the idea as you go through these and the, the names of these people have significance to what was happening at the time that they were born. And as you read through Genesis 1 through 4, you kind of get a feel for all of that. Of course, Lamech, the son of Methuselah, Methuselah's name means his death shall bring. Now, if you remember, God said that in 120 years, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood, build an ark, right? And it was when Methuselah would die is when judgment would come, which is really interesting because Methuselah ends up being the longest living man ever to live, 996 years or something like that. No, 69 years, okay, is that what it was? Yeah, okay, so 969 years, longer than anybody else, and that just shows God's grace, right? When he dies, judgment's coming, and so his name was, his death shall bring. Then he was the son of Enoch. Now, of course, Enoch, remember, he was taken. He never died. He was taken for, he walked with God, and God took him, so he was not. Enoch was a teacher of righteousness, and, and his name is teacher or preaching. And then his son was Jared, the son of Jared, his name means descending. His son is Mahalalel, the blessed God. The son of Canaan, his name means sorrow. The son of Enosh means mortal or frail. It can also mean, you know, prone to die. And then the son of Seth means appointed. Remember Mary said God has appointed one to take over for Abel who Cain killed. And then, of course, the son of Adam, and his name means what? Man. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.